Good evening, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in for Destin Fatora. My name is Sanjay Prachapati, and I would like to begin with showing you the various ways that you can connect with me through social media. The first place I would recommend that you go to is amazon.com slash author slash Sanjay Prachapati. And on the off, that's the that's my Amazon author page where you can see my various books and you can click on links to purchase those books if you, if you choose to do so. The second way is through Facebook and you can just follow me at Destin Fortora 2 or you can search by my name, Dr. Sanjay Prajapati to connect with me on Facebook. The next way I'd like to show you is through Instagram and you can just follow me at Destin Fortora. You can also follow me on Twitter, same handle, Destin Fatora. And you can also watch us on YouTube. And I have many years of YouTube videos out there with various teachings. And you can go there by going to www.youtube.com slash C slash Destin Fatora. And the, you can also follow my blog at destinfatora.com. And the final way you can connect with me is through podcast. And the website where I upload all, all of my podcasts are on anchor.fm slash Destin Fatora. And from that website, you can actually select any way that you want to listen to it. friends, thanks so much for tuning in once again for Destin Fatora. I'm your host, Sanjay Prajapati, and you are called to be the light. This teaching is part three of a 12th portion or Parsha series called Let There Be Light, and it's based upon the book of Genesis. You can catch the last two weeks of Let There Be Light on your favorite uh, platform, including Facebook, YouTube, and Anchor.fm. And I, I just invite you to come experience the book of Genesis through the lens of the light. The Lord is calling each and every one of us to connect with him in a deep and powerful and intimate way through the light. So, you know, God told Abram to number the stars. And Abram was called Abram before God changed his name to Abraham, or as we say, Abraham. And in Genesis 15, verses 5 and 6, it says, and he brought him outside and said, meaning God brought him outside, and, said, and God said to him, look toward heaven and number the stars. If you are able to number them, then he said to him, so shall your descendants be. And he believed the Lord and he reckoned it to him as righteousness. Again, that's from Genesis 15, verses 15 and six, uh, verses 5 and 6. 
The Jewish people, the descendants of Abram, are compared to the stars. Likewise, we are all called to be like shining stars. Thus, we call this series, Let There Be Light. And we are to rise above the depravity in this world. And we can exert a positive influence upon this world through God's word and through being intimate with and through being intimate with the Lord. And your light should be so bright like the stars that your light being so bright in this world that even those that walk in darkness will not stumble, but will surrender and submit themselves to the light. And that is the light of Yeshua, the light of Christ Jesus. And your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to be the light. And Jesus says in Matthew 5, 14, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hid. And even in these days of pandemic, even during these days of uncertainty, God is calling each and every one of us to be the light. And tonight I invite you, don't forget to subscribe, to share, to like, and comment, to show your support. And um, again, I'm just so excited that you are here with us tonight. Let's begin with a word of prayer and we'll get started. Heavenly Father, we just, we just glorify you. We, we praise your holy name. We thank you so much for the honor and the privilege to gather to, together to study your holy word. And I pray that tonight, Lord God, that, that the folks that are on the line tonight will not, will not just gain knowledge, but I pray that everyone on this line will be transformed. And Lord, I just ask you to move upon every individual here, here Lord God. And Lord, I just pray that you bring about so much transformation and transform us into the image of your only beloved of your only beloved son and just make us more like Christ tonight and we and through the example of our patriarch Abraham cause us to move in loving kindness in self-sacrifice with care for one another and and with a burning zeal to spread the faith in you in Jesus mighty name we pray amen so let's go ahead and get let's get started here this week's Torah portion which is the third Torah portion in the book of Genesis is called Lech Lecha. And I invite you to say that with me, Lech Lecha. In Lech Lecha, the third Torah portion in Genesis consists of Genesis chapter 12, verse one, all the way through Genesis chapter 17, verse 27. And the words Lech Lecha mean go to you. Go, comma, to you. And really this Torah portion is about you and about you going to your purpose in Christ Jesus. And the theme of this entire Torah portion from Genesis 12 through 17 is about you. It's about your lechlecha. It's you going to your destiny. It's you going to your high calling in Christ Jesus. It's you moving forward in, in all the purposes that God has for you. And to leave the baggage behind and not to carry the baggage of the past forward with you, but you move forward in the will of God with the entire with your entire being. And the title, Lech Lecha, it, it, it is the theme of the entire Torah portion. And the name is taken from Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Genesis 12, 1 reads, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. You know, in the natural sense, when I read this text, wouldn't it be enough for God to say, just leave your father's house? But no, we see God is speaking to Abram or Abram and God is telling Abraham to depart number one from his country, number two from his kindred and number three from his father's house to the land I will show you. And what the Lord is showing here are three levels of departure. 
But before I talk about the three levels of departure, I want to talk to you about your reading of the text. And when we read the book of Genesis, and we read any book or any any part of the scriptures in from Genesis through Deuteronomy, we're not just reading history, but what, what we are reading is prophetic. And everything that we read that's prophetic is destined to take place again and again in future generations. And I want to quote, I want to read a quote to you from a rabbi known as the as the Ramban, who was a 13th century rabbi in, in, in Spain. And, and he's known for his famous commentaries on the Torah and the Talmud and many, many, many other works. And I want to read to you a quote of what he said. He said, everything that happened to the patriarchs is a signpost for their children. This is why the Torah elaborates its accounts of their journeys, their well digging, and the other events of their lives. These all come as an instruction for the future. For when something happens to one of the three patriarchs, one understands from it what is decreed to occur to his descendants. And what this means is everything that occurred in the lives of the patriarchs, the patriarchs being Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, everything they went through, every experience, every rejection, every exaltation, every test, everything they went through was a signpost for their future generations, specifically the children of Israel. Every act of their lives was prophetic of what would take place in future generations. For example, Abram descended into Egypt during a time of famine. And he and his family came out of Egypt with tremendous wealth. Well, this was a prophetic message. It was a foreshadowing of what the Israelites would experience in the future. And in the future, uh, maybe 400 years or more later, what had taken place is that the Israelites came out of Egypt, out of Egyptian exile, led by Moses. And they came out of Egypt with tremendous wealth. See, Jacob and his family descended into Egypt during a time of famine. And years later, they came up out of Egypt with tremendous wealth. So what took place in the lives of the nation of Israel, of what was to become the nation of Israel, was, a prophetic, uh, was prophetically foreshadowed through the experiences of Abraham. And we, as Christians, are also recipients of the Abrahamic blessings through Christ Jesus. Galatians chapter 3 verse 14 reads that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles, that we might receive the promises of the Spirit through faith. And see, there's no separation between the Hebrew Scriptures and the New Testament, in my opinion. And all that takes place in the Hebrew Scriptures is even a foreshadowing of what we as Christian believers would experience as well. And of course, the church does not replace the Jewish people. The Jewish people are God's first fruits. They are God, God's firstborn. But we as the Gentile believers are grafted in through Christ Jesus. Amen. And salvation is of the Jews. And that's what Jesus taught. Salvation is of the Jews. And all of us are recipients through the blessings of Abraham. We are recipients of all the blessings and the promises of Abraham. And, and because of Christ Jesus. Amen. Now, Abraham was called to be the light when mankind was spiraling downward morally. I mean, morally, there was just a spiral, a, a, a spiral downward. 
And in the midst of that, in the midst of that turmoil, God called Abram. And the scripture I'm going to use very frequently in this in this teaching is from Genesis 12:1. It reads, "Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and from your kindred, and to your and from your father's house to the to the land I will show you." And God revealed His light to him, and God called Abraham to walk in the light. And you also are called to walk in the light. As we read in 1 John 1, 5 through 7, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not live according to the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Cleanses us from all sin. And God has called us to walk in the light. To walk in the light of the sun. To walk in the light of Christ Jesus. And to know that all the promises of God are yea and amen through Christ Jesus. And all the blessings that God brought upon Abraham. We are, uh, we are grafted into the vine. And we are recipients of the blessings because of Christ Jesus. Amen. Next, I want to talk about the call, the call to Leklecha. And again, Leklecha means go to you, or it can also mean go to yourself, or it can mean go for yourself, which means go for your benefit. And again, Genesis 12, 1 says, Now the Lord, now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, from your kindred, and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And God calls Abram out of his comfort zone. Abram does, really has no, doesn't know where he's going, but he's trusting God every single step of the way. And that's why Abraham is called the father of our faith, because I mean, he, he fully trusted in God. He trusted in God with every part of his being. So God called Abram out of his comfort zone. Well, guess what? That parallels you as well. God is, from time to time, will call you out of your comfort zone. Abraham's destination was a land that God was going to show him. Sometimes God, God's going to take you to a destination. It could be a ministry. It could be an unemployment. It could be a career. I mean, it could be whatever it may be. God's going to call you out. And he's not going to show you everything in the beginning. He's going to reveal his will to you in, 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 in almost like a puzzle. Just uh, You take one step at a time of obedience, and God, and God will bless you every single step of the way. And Abram did not know where he was going. God kept him in suspense in order to intensify his joy and sense of anticipation. And you know, God is a good God. He's a loving father. And I mean, and he's so excited to bless you. He's so, he's so excited to reward you. He's so excited to receive you. And he's going to bless you every single step of the way. And, and the Lord's plans for each and every one of you is awesome. He has amazing plans for all of you. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you says the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. In another translation, it says, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. And what I encourage all of you to do is just to, just to stand in that word and know that God is with you, that God's going to take direct you every step of the way. Just allow him to bless you, allow him to love you, and just know the thoughts that he has towards you are thoughts of good. They're thoughts of peace. 
and thoughts to bring you to an expected end. And I encourage all of you to join me on this journey tonight to our own personal lekas as we go to ourselves. And God set Abraham on a course to reverse the curse. I mean, mankind once again was spiraling downward after the flood of Noah. And those the and mankind was again degenerating. And God used Abraham to restore mankind's relationship with God. And this eventually led to the giving of the Torah at Mount Sinai, which took place um, 50 days after the Israelites left Egypt. And at, and at the foot of Mount Sinai, the Israelites became the nation of Israel. And 2,000 years ago, in that very same day, which we call the giving of the Torah, we call Shavuot, and we, we the day also became known as Pentecost, the Church of Christ Jesus was born in the upper room. It, the, these two events occurred on the very same day. And one thing about Abraham, and let's talk about what took place before the days of Abraham. Uh, for the first 2,000 years of Abraham, I mean, of, of the, I mean, the first 2,000 years of mankind were a period of time of what we call tohu and bohu. It was a period of time where, where monotheism, monotheism was not being preached. There was no evangelization. And that goes all the way from the days of, of Adam, all you know, after the fall, all the way to the days of Noah. And, and Noah was not actively evangelizing. I mean, he was, he was preaching a destruction that was coming forth. He was preaching repentance, but he wasn't actively seeking out souls. So the first 2,000 years of mankind were a period of time that we call Tohu and Bohu, which very much lined up with Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. The next 2,000 years of mankind are, are called, uh, began with Abram. And Abram was born in the year 1948 from, from, you know, from the creation of mankind. And um, at the age of 75, he left his father's home and left the country. And one thing that one thing that Abram did even before he left Haran was that he and his wife Sarai were winning souls. I mean, they were really the first evangelist recorded in Scripture. Abram was winning the, the men and and teaching the men, and Sarai was 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 winning the the women to monotheism, monotheism, the belief in one God, and God used Abraham to restore mankind's relationship with God, and and and. And and he and you know Abraham and Sarah rejected idolatry, and they embraced the one and true God, and Abraham reintroduced relationship with God and and connection with God, and Abraham and Sarah began to win souls, and so we 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 see this this is what took place beginning in the second two thousand year period, the third two thousand year period began two thousand years ago. When the living word, the light, came into the world, and that was Christ Jesus, as, as we see in John chapter 1, which we studied about two weeks ago. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And that, that is Christ Jesus. He is the light of the world. And he, and, and in, the, in the third 2,000-year period of mankind, what took, it begins with Messiah coming into the world. And Christ Jesus came 2,000 years ago. He lived on the he, he lived on the earth for thirty three years. He was crucified, died, resurrected from the dead on the third day, and then forty days later he ascended to heaven. And then ten days after that, the Holy Spirit descended in the, in the upper room, and the Church of Christ Jesus was born. So all the events that we see that take place in the Hebrew Scriptures, we also we also see 
a repetition. We see the fulfillment also in the New Testament as well. And so God demonstrates that we can have access to him. And God wants us to seek him. God wants to see conversion in our lives. God wants to see repentance in God. You know, and we can truly call God our Father, even as Jesus taught his disciples the model for prayer, which begins with our Father who art in heaven. You know, you and I can truly connect with God. We can truly have a relationship with him. You know, we don't connect with the universe, but we connect with the triune God. We connect with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And God wants us to have connection with him. And Leklecha is a connection, with, is a call for all of you to have a connection with him. And God, with the words Leklecha, God put Abraham on his mission. And his mission was to be God's emissary. He was God's missionary. He was God's missionary of monotheism. And Abraham was now acting on the vision that God gave him. And Abraham was moving in the authority that God gave him. God had given him, God had given Abraham an anointing and a calling, a, a mission to win souls. And wherever he went, he won souls. I mean, and, and, and God brought, you know, God did tremendous things in his life and God wants to do tremendous things in your life as well. Not one of us is here by happenstance. Not one of us is here um, by luck, but we are all here by divine providence. And God could have chosen for you to be born at any time in history, but God chose you to be born and to live at such a time as this. And the call of, that God has upon your life is that you go beyond yourself, to go beyond your own ability, because go to you means go to your true, your, your higher self, the self that you could never reach on your own. See, God's going God's to elevate you. God's going to increase you. God's going to promote you. God's going to prosper you. God's going to test you, you know, and God's going God's gonna to deal with us. He's going to deal with our emotions. He's going to deal with our intellect. He's going to deal with every part of our being. And the tests that God sets before us are really designed to perfect us because God does not want you to miss out on any part of your calling. I mean, God wants you to be used fully by him. Even when God changed Abram's name to Abraham, he added the Hebrew letter hey to his name. And, and God is calling every one of, you, one of you to walk in his fullness. And so, you know, in last week's Torah portion, we studied about Portia Noach, and we spoke about the light in the ark. And through the life of Noah, God introduced the concept of, of teshuva or repentance to mankind. And God introduced to mankind the, the possibility to correct wrongdoing through the gift of repentance. And so, and in Lekleha, we, we, you know, we go beyond, after repentance, what comes is that we we come to know our true selves and we go we come to know who we really are in Christ Jesus and he makes it for us it makes it makes it possible you know there's a type of repentance teshuva where we return to him and we turn away from our sins and there's also a type of turning to God where we completely submit our will to God's will and we allow God to have his way in our lives and God is calling us to return to him wholeheartedly and he's calling us to connect with him and I want you to know that he is that he wants to be so involved with your life he wants to be so much a part of everything 
and, and he wants to be part of every step in your journey. You know, think about a child, especially if you're a parent and, 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 you, and you've helped your child learn how to walk and you've been there for every single part of the way from the, uh, from the crawling to taking the first steps and you, you're with that child every single step of the way. How much more so is God with you? And God wants to experience every part of your journey. He wants to be part of that journey and he wants to help you in that journey. The times that we can't carry ourselves, he will carry us. And in time, he will teach us how to walk and he will teach us how to walk before him. Amen. And how to walk uprightly before him and how to surrender to him. The, the next thing I want to share with you are the three levels of departure. And these three levels of departure occur in ascending levels of difficulty, meaning the, the second level of departure is more difficult than the first and the second level, I mean, the third level is more difficult than the seven. And again, we're taking the scripture uh, to base this teaching from Genesis 12.1. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and from your kindred and from your father's house to the land I will show you. And so the first level of departure is from your land. And the land represents our will. God is calling us to even surrender our will to him. And the Hebrew word for land, it's Etymology is related to the word ratzon, which means will. And it means that we depart from worldliness, from our physical desires, that we even surrender our will to God. And we see this with Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, where he asked the Lord if it's possible to remove this cup from him. And then he says, not my will, but thine be done. And we submit our ratzon, our will to God. And that's, that's, our, that's the departure from our land. The second level of departure is called from your birthplace. And this is more difficult than leaving your land. And the birthplace represents our emotions. It represents our behavior. And really a person is the product of his or her environment. And, and it's the call that we no longer do things that are habitual in the way that we're brought up, but we really surrender our emotions to God. So number one, from the land means depart from your will. Number two, from your birthplace, speaks about your emotions, that we even surrender our emotions to God. And number three, we depart from our Father's house, and that speaks about our intellect. And, um, and, 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 and the, in this verse, the Father's house is referring to the, the wisdom of the evil inclination, the evil inclination. Every one of us has a good inclination and an evil inclination. The Yetzer Hatob is the good inclination, and the Yetzehara is the evil in, uh, inclination. And God has called us to depart from the evil. So that's the third level of departure, that we depart from every form of evil. But from Abraham's personal experience, I mean, it's difficult to depart from your land. You know, that's the familiar. Secondly, it's difficult to, to depart from your birthplace and depart from all your relatives. And it's even more difficult to leave your father's house, especially Abram is called by God to leave his elderly father, but God is calling him out and he's called, and God calls him out. So that's even the most difficult. And God is calling all of us to different levels of departure. God may not be calling you to separate from your parents, but what God is doing is calling you to submit yourself wholly to him. Amen. And I just encourage all of you to be open to the working of God in your life and allow him to take you on this journey of departure. And, and there are promises for obedience. Let's look at the, the next verse, Genesis 12, 2. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you, and your name great, so that you will be a blessing. How many of you are ready to be a blessing? 
And God, you know, God is calling you to be a blessing, but it's not going to come without testing. I mean, God's going to cause, uh, will call us to surrender to him, to submit our will to him, to submit our emotions to him, to submit our inclinations to him. And he wants us to follow him wholeheartedly. See, Elisha did not re receive the mantle until he completely submitted to the will of God. And all of us must learn how to follow the process and learn to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Because those that are led by the Spirit of God will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And I just want you to know that God will bless you. God will increase you. And God will cause you to be a blessing. Amen. And I just want you all just to be so excited for all the plans God has for you. Don't, don't be so down about what's taking place in the world with this pandemic. I want you to keep your eyes on Jesus, who's the author and the finisher of our faith. And know that he has great plans for your life. And the next thing I want to share is what we call the ten test of the ten test of Abraham, and I'm going to share two versions of these tests with you. I'm going to call this one version one, and there are two different versions that 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 differ in some aspects. Version one of Abraham's ten tests are first, he was forced to hide for thirteen years from Nimrod, who sought to kill him. Nimrod sought to kill Abraham because he would not he would not bow down to an idol. And this is not found in the scriptures, but it is found in rabbinic commentaries that we call the Midrash. And Abram's second test was he was thrown into a furnace at Ur of the Kazdites for refusing to bow down to an idol. So he went into the fire, and it sounds very much like the story of Daniel, where Daniel and his friends were thrown into the fire because they refused to bow down to the king. And the third test that Abram went through was God was to leave his native land, as, as we see in Genesis 12.1. And after he leaves his native land, guess what takes place? He comes to the land of Canaan, or the land that we call Israel. He was confronted with famine in the land in which God had, had instructed him to go. And sometimes we feel like we, we're called to go, we obey God, we go to the place God has called us, and then we immediately, immediately face difficult times. And sometimes we wonder, I, I could not have heard the voice of God because I'm being tested. Well, you know what? That testing is really a sign that you are in God's will. And God wants. God is testing us so that we, come, may, we may learn how to follow Him fully and surrender to Him every single step of the way. The fifth level, you, you think it can't get any harder. Well, the fifth test is even harder than the previous four. And the fifth test was He subjected His wife Sarai to being abducted to Pharaoh's house. And number six, he subjected his, his nephew Pharaoh. I'm sorry, he subjected his nephew Lot being taken captive. And then the seventh level, the seventh test was he was informed by God that his descendants would be enslaved and exiled. Can you imagine that? I mean, to receive a vision from God that your, your future descendants are going to be enslaved and exiled. I mean, God showed Abraham the, the future four exiles of the Jewish people. And then the next test was being commanded by God to circumcise himself and his sons. Number nine, he was instructed by God to banish Hagar and Ishmael. And ten, the, 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 the final and most difficult test was he was commanded to sacrifice Isaac on the altar. Of course, he did not go through with that. God was testing him to show him that he could be faithful to the very end. And right before he was about to slaughter Isaac, God sent an, sent an angel to stop him. That's version one. Now, let's, let me show version two to you. And most, Many of them are very similar, but there are a few differences. In this version, 
the, uh, the very first test has nothing to do with Nimrod, but the first test is that you leave your land, as we see in Genesis 12.1. The second test was to leave his birthplace, Genesis 12.1. The third test was to leave his father's house, also from Genesis 12.1. And the fourth test was, was the famine in the land of Canaan, which we see in Genesis 12.10. And there was a famine in the land, and Abram, Abram went down into Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was grievous in the land. And number five, the capture of Sarah, his wife, from Genesis 12, 15. The, princess, the princes also of Pharaoh saw her and commended her before Pharaoh, and the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. And number six, Abr it was Abram's, Abram's fight to rescue Lot in Genesis chapter 12. I'm sorry, Genesis 14, verse 12 and 14. And number seven, the, the vision of exile that we see in Genesis chapter 15. And number eight was Abraham's circumcision from Genesis chapter 17, verse 24. And number nine, the expulsion of Abram, I mean, the expulsion of Hagar and Ishmael from Genesis 21, verses 9 through 14. And finally, what we call the event we call the Akita in Genesis chapter 22, where, where the Lord commanded Abram, Abraham to sacrifice his own son. And Abraham passed all 10 tests with great dis distinction. And all the trials and tribulations of future generations of, of future generations are traceable to these 10 tests. Now, many of you may, may be familiar with Rod's um, serving script from the Twilight Zone. It goes like this. You're traveling through another dimension, a dimension not only of sight and sound, but of mind, a journey into a wondrous land whose boundaries are that of imagination. That's the signpost up ahead, your next stop, the Twilight Zone. And every episode of the Twilight Zone has to do with events that are related to this, this strange place. But now, let me introduce you to what I shared with you earlier. I want to call the Rambam's quote the, the signpost of the Torah Zone. And that's the zone that we should all live in. And in, that, in this zone, in the Torah Zone, nothing is coincidence, nothing is happenstance. Nothing is fate, but everything is divine providence. And divine providence and, and prophecy, it's all found through the lives of the patriarchs. And now this should make the quote of the Ramban, uh, Ramban even more, uh, uh, you know, more clear to, to all of us. And it reads, It's a signpost for their children. This is why the Torah elaborates its accounts of their journeys, their well digging, and the other events of their lives. These all come as an instruction for the future, for when something happens to one of the three patriarchs, one understands from it what is decreed to occur to his descendants. And Abraham was used by God to, to perfect the character traits that would enable us to prevail. And Abraham was the, was the, embodiment, the embodiment of the character trait of hesed, or loving kindness, or more specifically, selfless loving kindness, and also self-sacrifice. And Abraham's, according to version number two, Abraham's very first test is found in the opening verse of Lech Leha in Genesis 12.1, which means you go to yourself, you divorce yourself from all the immoral ways of the world, and you tap into your inner self, you tap into the anointing that God has placed within you, and, and you allow the Holy Spirit to lead you on a mission to your higher purpose, to your higher calling in God. And our father Abraham paved the way for us, and all we need to do is to follow in his footsteps. And so whatever happened to our forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and even the matriarchs, 
with Sarah, uh, Rebecca, Leah, and Rachel. All the happenings of their lives are really a signpost for all future generations of Israel. And we as Christians who are grafted in, we are also, ben we are also ben beneficiaries of the blessings of Abraham. And your legacy is tied to Abraham. Next, I'd like to speak to you about the altars. And this really ties in with Rambam's quote, the quote that I call the Torah zone. And let's look at the three altars. And let's. And again, I want you to know that nothing is coincidence and everything that takes place in the lives of the patriarchs will, will also take place in future generations in some respect. So let's go to Genesis chapter 12, verse seven. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your descendants, I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. So that's the first altar. Now let's go to the second altar in Genesis 12, verse 8. Then he, thence he removed to the mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. So that's the second altar. Now let's see the third altar in Genesis chapter 13, verse 18. So Abram moved his tent and came and dwelt by the oaks of Mamre, which are at Hebron, and there he built an altar to the Lord. And Abram built this third, this third altar purely for the sake of glorifying the name of the Lord. And this altar, this altar, this third altar expresses a, a even higher level of connection with God. And all three altars represent connection with God, but the third altar represents the highest level of connection with God. And it represents our ability to abandon ourself, you know, ourself of independence and, and being focused on self and instead replace self with selflessness and we we and we just completely unite and fuse ourselves to the lord and when we are one with the lord we are one with his will we submit to, we submit to his will we transcend our own egos and we fulfill our divine mission within the world because we are busy and about our master's business and that's what we see throughout the life of jesus that jesus was was busy doing his father's business and that's the will of god in our lives that we will be busy doing our master's business. And another thing I, I want to share with you about these three altars is that is that these three altars represent the future temples that will be and one that will uh, that were built in Jerusalem and third and the third is yet to be built. So the three altars that Abraham built and sacrificed on are a representation of the three temples in Jerusalem. In the first temple, which we call um, Solomon's temple, God gave us the first temple on the premise that we would observe his commandments faithfully and completely. So this first temple was built for the Jewish people. It was called Solomon's temple. And it was built upon the premise that the Jewish people would serve him faithfully and completely. And when the Israelites sinned, when the Jews sinned, the first temple was destroyed, right? And that, that was done in five, eight, around, I think around 586 BC. Then we have the second temple that was rebuilt un, under Ezra and Nehemiah. And this second temple replaced the first temple in Jerusalem. And this was based upon the premise of repentance. So we, we see the call of repentance in the second temple.
And the second temple, as Jesus prophesied in Matthew, the second temple was destroyed in 70 AD. Now the third temple is yet to be built. And the third temple will be, according to the rabbis, according to the opinions I'm reading here, the third temple will be built in the Messianic era. When our, and, it, and it reads like this, when our physical senses will be so refined that they will perceive divinity as real as readily as they pres presently perceive physical matter. This perception will liberate any sense of self and we will naturally and instinctively conduct ourselves in complete accordance with God's will. And we will embody the selfless commitment to God and and that's what's represented by the third by the third altar in 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 Abraham's act of building the third altar, and the third temple is yet to be built. And I'm of the opinion that the third temple will not be built until Christ Jesus the Messiah returns. He came the first time two thousand years ago, but I believe after the rapture and um, Christ Jesus will return, and we will return with Christ Jesus, and that is when. The third temple will be will be rebuilt. So that that's my that's my opinion. There are some that believe the third temple will be rebuilt before Messiah returns. But so I just want to share those thoughts with you. And now I want to talk to you about the uh, another prophecy. That th I mean, first of all, the three altars correspond to the building of three temples in Jerusalem. Now I want to speak to you about another prophecy uh, through a dream that Abram had. So let's turn to Genesis chapter fifteen. Verse, I'm sorry, Genesis 15, verses 12 through 15. And I'll go ahead and read this to you. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram. And lo, a dread and a great darkness fell upon him. So I want you to remember this. A dread and a great darkness fell upon him. And verse 13 says, Then the Lord said to Abram, Know of a surety that your descendants will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs. And will be slaves there, and they will be oppressed for four hundred years. But I will bring judgment on the nations which they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. As for yourself, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried in a good old age. And what God the Father reveals to, reveals to Abram are the exiles that the Jewish people are going to experience in the future. But Abram would not be part of these exiles because he would go home. He, he would he, he would he would die before that time, and literally what's and I want to use some midrashic commentary here about the four expressions that are that are expressed here. And so in the in the verses from Genesis chapter fifteen verse twelve, there's four words I want to highlight, and those four words are the word dread, the ver the word dark, the word ominous. And the word overwhelmed. Again, dread, dark, ominous, and overwhelmed. And these four words correspond to the four exiles that the Jewish people would experience after their exile in Egypt. So the dread refers to the Babylonian exile, which was led under King Nebuchadnezzar. The second exile refers to the exile of the Medes and the Persians, which is called dark. The third exile is called ominous, which refers to the Grecian exile. And the fourth and final exile is referred to in the word overwhelmed, overwhelmed, and this refers to the Edomite exile, which speaks about the Roman exile. 
And that exile is the, is an exile that we are still that the Jewish people are still in today, and the the Roman exile or the Edomite, Edomite exile will not end until Christ Jesus the Messiah returns. Amen. So in, in his second return, this exile will come to an end. And the Torah alludes to these exiles in addition to the Egyptian exile, and the Egyptian exile was probably one of the darkest exiles. And within that exile, we even see, you know, roots of the other four exiles. And so tonight, what I want you to know is that nothing in Scripture, especially when you're reading from Genesis through Deuteronomy, nothing is mentioned just for the sake of giving us history. But every every verse, every Scripture, every word, even every space, every single character has something to has something prophetic in it. There's nothing there by happenstance. Nothing is written just to fill a page. Nothing is written just to fill a scroll. But everything that's written, every jot, every tittle, everything is there for the sake of a prophecy. And everything that we read about, every event that takes place in the life of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and, and their wives, everything that takes place in their lives is prophetic of what will take place in the future generations of Israel. And again, we that are grafted in, we as Christians, we as the Gentile believers, we are grafted in to the Abrahamic blessings through Christ Jesus. Amen. So we are recipients of all the blessings as well. And so what I want you to know is that every when you read God's word, when you study and you meditate in God's word, I want you to know that you're not just reading stories, but you are reading prophecy and you are actually reading into your own destiny. And as you are meditating in God's word, God is also saying, let there be light in your destiny. And God is calling you to be the light as Abram was a light in his generation. God is calling you to be a light in your generation as well. And we live, we live in a perverse generation. We live, we live in a crooked generation and what we call wrong right and we call right wrong. But God is calling us to walk in the truth. God is calling us to abide in him and i just want you to know i just want you to be so open to the working of the holy spirit in your life i mean i truly believe and i believe with my entire being that we are very close to the rapture the rapture being the event in which we are caught up to meet christ jesus in the sky in the sky and we the bride of christ the church of jesus will be caught up in the sky to meet our bridegroom and then shortly after we will we will return to the earth with christ jesus and that's where jesus will establish his 1,000-year rule upon the earth in, in the, the, the period of time we call the millennial reign of Christ, as we read about in Revelation. And so I just pray that you've been blessed tonight. We have just completed week three in our study of Let There Be Light, and tonight's teaching was called Be the Light, and I pray that all of you will become the light. Right now, I'd just like to close with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for all that have joined us today. And Lord, I just thank you, Lord God, for the fellowship that's present here on the line tonight. Lord, I especially lift up J.D. and Kavya and all the children that are watching tonight. And Lord, I just pray that you will raise them up to be a light in this, in this generation. And Lord, I just pray for a move of your spirit upon everyone that's watching tonight, Lord God. And at any time they watch the replay, that you will just move upon them. And Lord, I just ask you to inspire every one of us, Lord God. And I just pray that you'll move upon us with, with our high calling in Christ Jesus. And I pray that you'll cause everyone that's watching, Lord God, Lord God, that you'll give them purpose, that you'll give them destiny, that you'll give them, may they know that you have an expected end for them and that you have great plans for everyone that's watching tonight, Lord God. And I just pray, Father God, that these three 
Torah portions will take root in our lives tonight, Lord God. And I just pray that we will, we will be transformed by reason of the anointing. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen and amen. I'll see you all next time. God bless you all.